Born in Roosevelt, New York, my next guest saw the power of music to transform lives and aspired to pursue a teaching career. After 11 years in the classroom, he left to work with a nonprofit organization, Music Doing Good. He's performed with the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, Presidents George H.W. Bush and William Clinton, and now he is the artistic director and accompanist for the Philip Hall Singers, which is so rightfully named after him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Philip Hall. Good friend of mine with me today. She is the host of Great Day Houston. And we've done so many things together. You always come when I call. It's like, you know, the mayor's tree lighting, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. For me, it's made me appreciate what I have a whole lot more because, listen, life is fleeting. It was surreal my first year because I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm in fourth grade and I've made it this far and they got news cameras here. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, this, this is crazy. Who is that? <laughs> he is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And that's what really inspired me to know that, hey, I can really do this. I want to thank you for helping me with my new dream and supporting me as an artist. We've got lots to talk about. Hello, listeners, and welcome to E-Talk with Anthony Bogus Glover. Today, I have a really good friend who's going to be sitting around chatting with us, and uh his name is Philip Hall. Some of you may know him. Let me tell you about this guy. I call him Mr. Piano Man because he is one of the best pianists I know. And uh, we'll talk about this, but he loves Fats Waller. <laughs> and he loves Fats Waller. He is one of, <laughs> he's one of the only pianists. I think I know about three or four who can really play stride piano. So that is... Uh, uh, and that, that's a very big compliment. Any musician out there knows, any pianist knows that that is not an easy uh, task to do, but he does it well. So I have joining me today, Mr. Philip Hall. Philip, welcome to the podcast. Well, well, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here. And you listeners out there, you need to know that everyone loves Tony. Oh my God! You're the nonsense. I did say that on your podcast. Every ELT, Raymond Mono, look out! Everyone does not love Raymond. Everyone loves Tony. (laughs) So we're here here to uh, share the love, and uh, I'm really honored, Tony. Man, that is crazy. But I I tell you that all the time, right? Yeah, that's funny. That that that's a running joke. Uh, Philip, Philip, Philip says ELT, ELT. So if you ever hear ELT around me, you know what that means. Everybody loves Tony, and I didn't say that. I didn't make that up. He did. I did. Do I get rights for that? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So look, Philip, this is what we're doing here. This this little gig is I'm sitting down talking to some good friends, and we're just uh, chatting it up about what's going on in our lives, uh, what we're doing. Uh, what we've done, how we got to where we are, and especially during this time, uh, the last year and a half, this pandemic that we've been in and how things have been uh, going. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your story? Where did you start? Where were you born? All that good stuff. Well, so it all started. (laughs) (laughs) I say, well, I'm 55 now, so I've, I've learned to start giving like sort of abbreviated bios and everything, but uh, I will say I'm a native New Yorker. 
Roosevelt, You're New York. New Yorker. <laughs> you know the song by now, right? <laughs> Odyssey. That was my Odyssey group name. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in Roosevelt. Uh, it's claim to fame. Uh, Julius Irvin's from there. Eddie Murphy's from there. And uh-huh. Philip Hall is from there. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I came to Houston in 1984. So this is, what, 37 years I've been here. Uh, I came here to attend Rice University uh, as a uh, business major. I had no intentions of uh, studying music. Uh, what? I studied in high school, yeah. So like in Long Island, there's like they have like an HSPBA sort of on Long Island. It's the Cultural Arts uh-huh. Center of Long Island. Right. I successfully auditioned for that. And I was there for my, it was like half days. Uh, 11th and 12th grade, junior and senior year. And then the rest of the day, I was back in my home school. Uh, but I still was not, I just couldn't see myself, you know, doing music full time. I was like, no, nah. you know, I was bowling, I was playing baseball, and I, was, I, I didn't have time to practice. <laughs> uh, but I, I always liked playing, you know, I, I, I was playing at church, you know, growing up at, starting at 12, I think it was, yeah, 1978. And, uh, but I, I came here thinking I was just going to, you know, uh, break out Wall Street and just be this, uh, business guru. And, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> I, well, that's interesting. I never knew that. I mean, I never knew you were a business, business major. Yeah, that, I, I never, no. I never no. No. I was, man, it was the actual, uh, major was called managerial studies. So it took into account. Uh, economics, accounting, statistics, and everything. And I found out very quickly, probably within two weeks, uh, <laughs> that it, it probably wasn't for me. So, but I was, it's, it's a funny thing. So I was you know, really, I was homesick. Uh, I wasn't doing well academically. Like, again, it was like two to three weeks into my, uh, into my uh, time at Rice. And I was walking around campus and I saw, uh, a sign for auditions for uh, a show called Amos Behaving. And, you know, I'd heard of, you know, so that was, this was like six years after it debuted on Broadway, 80, yeah, uh-huh. 78. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that show, you know, the lady from Give Me a Break was on there. I just right. knew it was Nell Carter. Uh, and I was like, well, let me go check this out. And I knew, I, you know, I knew it was singing and dancing. So I, I knew I wasn't going to do that. So I was like, well, do you need a pianist? You know, you know, to maybe, uh, you know, to come do rehearsals or anything like that. I said, well, would you consider doing the show? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, the only song I knew was the one to talk with all, but the title song. Right. And, but I I went and got the album from, where did I go? Oh, he said it album. Been he said <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the album. It might have been, not no, the fourth sound, sound wave. I forgot where I got it, but I went and bought the album somewhere. Uh-huh. And I brought my turntable with me from New York, and uh, I listened to that. And I was like, "This is incredible!" It, you know, because it had elements, you know, of uh, you know, of course, jazz, but it had elements. Of, there was some gospel feels in there. Right. You know, back played uh, at a church. I want to say Abyssinia in Harlem, but um, yeah. So it it just really spoke to me, and I just connected with it, and I fell in love with the music, and that's kind of how I ventured in. To like the professional realm of music. That's crazy. Okay, so okay, okay. Business major. Um, uh, you played. That was like on the side. 
Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden you come to Rice University, which is not an easy school to get into, might I add. Uh, and you Even got in. <laughs> <laughs> and you're walking around campus and you see an audition sign for Ain't Misbehaving. Now, let me fast forward a little bit and then we'll come back. Because you did that audition and you did that show, how many times have you played, you actually played Ain't Misbehaving? In some form uh, or fashion as either MD, uh, rehearsal pianist, or 12. 12. Wow. 12. I think it's, yeah, 12. I can't name them all right now uh, in, order, in, in order, but I could probably name the cities. But yeah, 12 times. 12 times. Now, in order to in order to do a show 12 times, you have to love it. <laughs> you Tony, have to if love I could it. if I could, you know, make enough money where I could uh, you know, get benefit, health benefits, uh, you know, put a little aside and everything. I would do it year round because wow. it's such a fun show. I know it. All yeah. I have to do is show up, you know, with my costume and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, wow. but, uh, it, you know, anytime I can do it, I will I put it like that. That, that that's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it, it it is a fun show, and uh, I I can say that Philip and I have done that show one, two, three, four, five. I think five times, six times, yeah. five or six times together. And right. and like you said, it, it's a fun show. It's uh, it, it's it, it's one of those crowd pleasers that every there's never a dull moment. So, okay, cool. We'll, we'll come back to that and we'll talk about any misbehaving a little later. Um, let me ask you this. Um, in, as we're all growing up, we all end up dealing with people and have people in our lives who, uh, you know, put a stamp or a mark on us. Uh, do you, you know, can you remember any of those people and who they were and what they did for you to get you where you are today? Yeah, other than my parents. Yeah. Other than, yeah, other than your parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so there would probably be, I'd say, oh gosh. All right, so like my first piano teacher, Jean Ravenna, uh-huh. who's uh, since passed on, um, she saw that I wasn't really trying to play what was on the paper. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, uh, are you reading? But she allowed me that space to improvise, do some things. As a matter of fact, um, she let me do an improvis- improvisation on some, I want to say Yankee Doodle. Okay. Like ten, and she let you know when you close out the program, you know you'd be like, you got to have a little something. something. So <laughs> yeah. she recognized that, and she just let me, you know, let me be, and cause she saw that that's what was in me. So kudos, Miss Ravenna, uh, Doctor Jacqueline Chambers, uh-huh. who's a, a local a local musician here. She's a pianist, organist. I went to church on St. John, St. John on Dowling Street at the time. Now it's Emancipation. Um, Palm Sunday, 1987. I borrowed my sister's car. I was still right. So I was a junior. <laughs> and I don't know why I ended up, I, well, I have driven around. I think I go out and get some barbecue in third world once. And I saw this church and it was so stately looking, you know, with high steps. I, I got to go in there with that. So Tony, I went in there and I heard this lady on, on the Hammond, Oregon. It was like, my mouth was like literally just dry. I, just, I could not take my eyes off of her and, and just listening to her. So I, I made my way down there after church. I introduced myself and I ended up playing, uh, ended up joining the church and ended up playing with her. 
she introduced me to Barbara Tucker, uh-huh. who was an, well, another one of my influences. She uh, recorded Order My Steps the first time uh, in 1992. So that's how I met her, through the Houston Post Office Corral. Jackie okay. Dr. Chambers was playing for the Post Office Corral. Uh-huh. And I met Barbara through her. And through Barbara, I met Glenn Burley, who, was a, who, who wrote Order My Steps. Uh, ridiculous composer, arranger, pianist. Uh, who uh, uh, who wrote just amazing music? Gospel had all elements of classical music, jazz, and of course gospel. And uh, he influenced my life tremendously. So I would say Jack, Jack Dr. Jackson Chambers, Barbara Tucker, Glenn Burley, and Miss Ravenna, Jean Ravenna, my first piano teacher. Wow. Those are my big my big four. Uh, wow. And uh, Barbara and Jack are still with Glenn and uh, Miss Ravenna. Sadly, have passed on. So uh-huh. They're always in my, always in my heart. That's 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 amazing because um, people tend to sometimes forget where they came from, you know, uh, and it's like, how can you do that when these people are the ones that help you with your foundation? You know, like you said, you walked into a church and heard somebody and it's like, wow. You introduced yourself to, and you went from there. And then, it, because of you meeting her, you were able to meet other people that influenced you big time. So that's the, and that's the whole thing, Tony. You know, I, I believe there's just no accidents in life. I know it's a cliche. Yes, but literally, yes. when you when you just allow yourself just to be, and just you know, things just happen for a reason, and people will come into your life, and you'll just you'll just be sitting randomly at dinner thinking like, oh, wow, <laughs> I remember when I met so-and-so and because of her, right. I met her. Uh-huh. her I, uh-huh. met yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't literally did not do anything except just be. And that's how I met all these people and walked into the yeah. situation. Being where you're supposed to be in the space. It's in, you know, in the theater where we call it being in the moment. <laughs> in the moment, right, right. And I, and I didn't have to do anything, go anywhere. I didn't have to do any. Uh, double dealings and just try uh-huh, to uh-huh. finagle my way into something. No, it, it doesn't. You don't have to do all that. And you know, the, 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 we, the, the, you know, you're getting older when you start saying things that your parents say. Uh, it's like you said, uh, just just do what you're supposed to do, and everything will fall into place. <laughs> it they, usually me, they, they, they usually told me that right after you know I got in trouble or something. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> But they were right, though. They knew what they were yeah. talking about. Yeah, do what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, you'll be right there. So let me ask you this. Um, what what has been your biggest wow moment? I know we all have them. We, and you may have a, a lot, you know, but some may stand out more than others. What would be one? Oh, let me say, what would be one of your biggest wow moments? <clears throat> oh, gosh. That would have to be uh, 2008 when I went to South Africa. Um, wow. Uh, I was uh, conscripted to uh, be an accompanist for a choir of South African college students uh-huh. sing for Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday party in his hometown who? of Nelson Mandela. Uh, Ma- like Manda- the Nelson Mandela? <laughs> Mandiba. Mandiba, yeah. In his hometown of Umtata. Yeah. And, uh, I went to Umtata uh, and it was it was just it was surreal. So again, uh-huh. what had happened? I got, I got to give you the backstory because we're talking about being in the moment. I had uh, one of my mutual friends, Omari, uh, was uh-huh. in town. 
Amari Tower Williams. And uh, they were just going to lunch. He was in town visiting. Oh, yeah, this would be nice to get together. So we went there, and they were talking about we're going. Uh, a mutual friend, Selvin Jarman, was on this art project uh, to commemorate uh, Nelson Mandela. And uh-huh. he said, well, there's money over there for you all to go. And I said, oh, I sure would love to go. Just like playing around drinking a margarita, right? <laughs> <laughs> And they said, well, why don't you come on and go? You can come play. I was like, all right. I had just started teaching a, a year before that in elementary school here in HIC. So I was like, well, you have not because you asked not. So I just went exactly. to my principal and I said, look, I've been uh, presenting an opportunity to go to South Africa. Uh, maybe we can take some of our school's paraphernalia and, and pass it out to kids there. So I made it like an educational thing. Okay. And do uh, you know my principal let me go and did not take any of my days really as a professional development. What? And I was like, wow. <laughs> and I, I right. And I was like, What? And so I it was amazing. And so just uh sadly, uh Mandela was too ill to attend at that time. Uh-huh. But uh, the uh, celebration went on of course. Um and to this day, I still keep in contact with two of the uh, choristers. Okay. South Africa, and uh, it's amazing with technology that I can say. Oh, yeah. I could talk to uh, young, uh, two young people over in South Africa. That, and wow. Seeing the countryside, seeing the land, I, I literally cried like the first uh, two hours I was there because I was like, I'm in Africa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in Africa. So yeah. that, that that was probably my biggest wow, yeah. And then just to be in the place and the land where Nelson Mandela was, you know, uh, did you did you get a chance to go uh, visit the, uh, the the jail cell where he was? No, no, okay. I, I did not go there. Uh-huh. Our primary focus was the rehearsal and getting ready for it. Okay, okay. And how long were you there? Uh, almost two weeks. It was almost two weeks, and wow. uh, that's amazing. It was it was an amazing time. Yeah, that that is amazing. Yeah, that's a that's a wild moment. That, that <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would say that's a wild moment. That, that do you think you have anyone that any others that could top that? <laughs> no, I can't say. No, I mean I've had some <laughs> things, but no, not that to me. No, it was it was just the enormity of it. Uh-huh. Uh, the historical connection, uh, the cultural connection. Um, and <laughs> it was so weird. I, this was on the side. I had gone to a church there uh, the Sunday after we performed. And they were, I have I have footage of it. I was able to pull it from a computer. I thought I lost it. I was just devastated, but I found it. Um, where these, these people were singing, and it sounded like a church in the South with uh-huh. harmony and everything. It sounded like... Uh, well, they used to call it, in the African American church. They call it devotion, where uh-huh. people will line out something, and they would they were like singing, and the harmony sounded just like my grandparents in South Carolina. Wow! It sent it sent chills through me. I didn't understand the word they were saying, right? But right. I, I I felt what they were saying because it was, it was a part of me, part of my heritage. So exactly. That was a, yeah, it was another great moment. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> that's cool. I mean, you know, you you never know. What what you, know, you never know what you're dealing with and what you have and where you what's going to happen once you uh, start doing things because once we start traveling, 
We find out a whole lot of things and you can learn so much other stuff about other people, uh, even though we may be so far apart and we may be uh, on different parts of the world. There's still a connection with anything and with you. And if, as we, people know, music is a universal language. And that's that is exactly what brought you to, you know, to that point, because you're, you're American, they're African and the music is what brought you together amazing amazing so you are a teacher you are a musician at a church you have your own group he has the philip hall singers uh he do uh you do all kind of gigs and you're always doing stuff and busy um the pandemic within the last year hit yeah uh were you working on anything Uh, uh were you in the middle of something uh, and how did that affect everything? I mean, being a musician, that and that that's that's your money. How did that fare with you? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's really funny. The only really big thing that I lost was um, we were getting ready to um, the Philip Hawkins were about to uh, perform at uh, Jones Hall with Houston Symphony okay. for a tribute to Aretha Franklin. Okay. And Capacia, and Capacia, uh, yeah, Capacia Jenkins, I think it's her name, a Broadway lady, was coming down to do it. Uh-huh. My parents, they were come, my parents were going to come in and, uh, you know, see the show. We were, we had just gotten to music. We started studying right after, uh, our Black History program we did. And, you know, boom, March, whatever that was, 13th or something. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Everybody remembers that date. The 13th. I remember that. <laughs> Everybody remembers that date. They were like, uh, Philip, are we still going to do the I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, uh-huh. remember, we thought it was just like, you know, a two-week thing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. thing out the water. You know, they're going to. But when they shut down the uh, rodeo. Yes. I got a really bad feeling then. I was yeah. like, this might be a little deeper than we think. So, <laughs> yeah. We like, we lost the, uh, we lost the Aretha thing. Uh you know, it was fun. I had just started teaching that February, so February of twenty, yeah, February twenty second, nineteen. I mean, excuse me, twenty twenty. So uh-huh. like two weeks before the pandemic hit. So thanks, thanks be to God, I didn't lose anything financially. I, I still got paid during the pandemic, and I had picked up um, work at a local synagogue. So we were doing uh-huh. something. Uh, some things I did virtually. Was able to do virtually able to do virtually and submit those uh same thing with my church i was doing some virtual things uh but uh and i lost a couple of christmas things of course okay christmas parties were huge i lost about two or three christmas parties but i i I consider myself very fortunate i was relatively unscathed uh throughout the whole thing um but like everyone else i felt the effects emotionally Mm -hmm. uh uh, with uh, what was going on around the country. I lost several dear friends uh, uh, from my church in New York that I wow. my elders. Uh-huh. Uh, and I lost some of them to COVID. Uh, thankfully, no fam. we didn't lose any families to COVID. Wow. Uh, we, we had That's a blessing. One, yeah, we had uh, one death in the family. My mom's aunt passed. But okay. it was not COVID-related. COVID uh, but... Um, it definitely impacted our world. Just, yes. You know, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it also, um, 
gave people an opportunity to sit back and think on things, you know, because it was crazy because a lot of people didn't think it was, well, nobody did. We didn't think it was what it was going to be. It was like, like you said, about two weeks or maybe a month or whatever, but then things just started happening and, and people were just like, falling off and stuff started you know it's like wait what's what's going on then that we had no cure and we still don't have a cure but you know it's just it was just like what is going on then you know we go to masks and after the mask then they started talking about a a vaccination and it didn't come for a while and you know it's like do i wear my mask do i do this or whatever so i mean it was crazy so the vaccination was you know it was uh, uh, up in arms and it was like who takes it who gets it who gets it first you know what's going to happen here what's going to happen there and it just it it made people sit back and think even to this day you know we got where everybody who took it and now uh there's this variant that's coming up and it's like do we give it to the younger people and you know oh it was it's just been crazy but like you say thank god we we're kind of getting back to some kind of normalcy and uh, it's slowly but surely getting there, but we just have to be patient and do what is asked. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I have to listen to the CDC. I mean, those are the people that are the scientists. They know what's going on. <laughs> well, you know, my thing was, I mean, I did have think I was reluctant at first, but I was like, well, you know, we have to leave here for something. Uh, right. But if, if I could do everything that I can do to help myself and possibly protect others, Right. That, that right. was the less thing to do. So I, I went ahead and did it. Uh, like you said, I I, I mean, the, other than of course the human casualties, which were horrible, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't all negative. Like you said, you had a time to sit and reflect. I mean, sometimes you know in our lives, not just as musicians, but we go 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 go, and we seldom have time to really just sit and 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 take in what's important to us, you know? Uh-huh. So I, I had a chance to do that and I, I caught up on some rest. To be quite right. Honest. Right. And, and we need a rested body is a rested mind. I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny how we always say, uh, we, we, I need more time. If I just had a little bit more time and we had a whole year and a half, <laughs> basically, and right. people are still, people are still lost. Yeah. Not yeah. What's going on, you know? So exactly. you talked about, uh, 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 doing doing different things uh, and just you know kind of moving around and about. Um, let me ask you this: What would the now you say to the younger you? Oh, he would definitely. <laughs> he would definitely say, you know, pick quality over quantity. Uh-huh. Uh, take those gigs which bring you joy and which bring you fulfillment. Um, I mean, there were, there was a time where I would take a gig, you know, playing in the produce section of it. <laughs> 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 I never had one of those, but you know what I'm saying? If, if there were a gig that would come up, I just felt that I had to do it, you know, yeah. but uh, now I'm content in doing things, which just bring me joy. And occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's some things, you know, if it's an easy, an easy cash grab, I'll do it, you know. Right, right. To be, to be honest, but I I don't feel the need to, to search these things out. Mm-hmm. I'll say that, and I let it come to me. And um, okay, that that's a huge difference. Uh, just yeah. allowing it. You know? 
and and yeah, yeah. Now, now with that, let me piggyback on that that same question. If I ask you, what does engage your passion mean to you? What would you say? Right now, Tony, it's about particularly uh, as we quasi exit this uh, pandemic, it's to bring joy. You know, hmm. I, I think music. I, I've, I've been fortunate to play a lot of senior citizen places uh, throughout, uh, prior to and shortly after the pandemic. Uh, and during the pandemic, everyone was masked, I remember. Uh, and the people would just derive so much joy from hearing songs that they don't hear anymore. Right. You know, and if, and if I could do that and just make people smile, even at church, at synagogue, at weddings, uh, because again, music, it, it, it's more powerful, I think, than we give it credit for. I think, you know, a lot of, and I don't think you have to be a musician to realize that. I think people who are non-musicians realize the power it has, too. So my biggest passion now is just bringing joy to people. Even as a teacher, uh, I've had to, I created this, you know, hybrid piece because I was online part of the day. And we just sang songs online. And uh-huh. uh, just to see kids smile, uh, because, you know, I think these kids are really impacting, and I don't think we'll know it's uh, COVID's full impact on these kids until years later. Uh, right. Uh, but for 45 minutes, you know, you know, per class, I tried to instill some joy through music. So it's, it's bringing joy to the people, man. Cool. Cool. That, that's that's good. When you, <laughs> you said you bring me joy, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to need a baker. Anita I'm going to need a baker. <laughs> Everybody loves Anita. Yeah, you said you bring me joy. I just started to break out. You bring me joy. That's her key. She does it. She does it. Hey. <laughs> I don't have my keyboard with me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the next time we get together, bro. All right, right. Okay, so um, you're talking about, and this is, is segueing into the next thing I wanted to kind of talk about. You're not you're bringing people joy. You. Uh, put together a group called the Philip Hall Singers. Talk to me about that. What is, what is that? So about, about, I would say for the last decade or so, I've always been toying with this idea of uh, creating a group uh, who could sing all types of music. Because I, I love all types of music. Uh, you know, your school choir, your church choir, your whoever. They do what they do, and they do it well and wonderful, but I wanted to just be able to get maybe 15 people, particularly younger people who are just graduating from music schools, to Mm -hmm. uh, have a place where they can showcase their gift, uh, because a lot of them, quite honestly, just won't uh, get called into major opera houses, and and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You can still make a great living, of course, but I just wanted them to have a place where they can come and sing do all sorts of challenging music uh, in all genres. Um, and so that's that was the impetus for putting it together. So here we are like five years later and uh, you know, we, we just have some wonderful people in the group who just, who love it all uh, and we even mounted a full production of Amy's Fame, which I think was amazing and I have to tell the audience, your part in this, your role in this, you are director choreographer <laughs> So I want you all, to, you listeners, to know that uh, Mr. Tony, ELT, everyone loves Tony. 
put together <laughs> mounted a production of Amphis Behaving. Now the original cast were five people, three women and two men. So he took what fifteen or sixteen of my people in my choir. Yeah. And we mounted a full production of it. And we ensured that everyone had their solo moments and it was it was difficult doing that, but we navigated it. We had choreography blocking. It was simply amazing. And it was amazing. I could shoot myself for not extend we did literally one day, I think it was Saturday. Right? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, was, Saturday. Yeah, we did one matinee and one evening performance. And the people were clamoring for more like, You gotta take it. You got it was like, you know, Willie Wonka looking for a golden ticket. Everyone was trying to get and uh I only did one show and I, I regret that. But anyway, And that, it was a, it was amazing. Yeah, let me let me just say and a shout out to the Philip Hall singers. These are some singing people, not singing, singing people. I mean, I think he has like, uh, uh, like you said, high school, they're just graduating from high school up until like people 70, 71 years old. And I mean, with class and sass singing and they are wonderful. What, what, what's, what's next for the Philip Hall singers? Well, it's so funny you asked that. I talked to our uh, conductor briefly, Charles Harrison, who's one of my former students when I was teaching at Worthing, uh, about where we go from here, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, so I'm, I'm toying with the idea, are we just going to, uh, you know, get together as needed, you know, for a lot of things that are coming up, you know, weddings, corporate events, uh-huh. or are we going to continue uh, rehearsing regularly on Monday nights? We do have uh, my initial concern was whether we had a rehearsal space again, right? Uh, because it was taken away during COVID, and we do. So uh, I'm just, you know, debating on it because there's, you know, a couple other things uh, that I'm personally invested in that may take some time away from it. Uh, but the people are clamoring for it. The people in yeah. the group they want they want to sing again. So oh, that's good. That's, I, think, that's... You know, I think that's one of the things I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make happen uh, yeah. because I I love it. I love it. It's, it's, and we rehearsed on Monday night, so it really started my week off, you know, for you yeah. know, wonderful. Well, I hope, I hope, hopefully you guys will get to get back on and, and, and do that. Please, please get yeah. that. I that think the world is, yeah. And yeah. you guys, you guys have, you guys, you have a website, do you not? Uh, yes. The Philip Hall Singers.net. The philipphallsingers.net. So if you want to get some information on these guys and on the um, the the man who put it all together, Mr. Philip Hall, you can go to their website and see them. At least I think that's the website. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at Philip Hall. Philip Hall. Philip Hall. I love I love those people so much. They they're like part of my family. Cool. That's that's good. When everybody can get together and have a good time and just 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 enjoy one another. Yeah. yeah. Well, Philip, man, thank you so much for taking out time just to sit and throw some throw some fat back on the, on the table. <laughs> fat back is good in the summer. You can have it. In the summer. <laughs> in the you know, that's it, man. Tony, this has been so wonderful. Uh, and it just allowed me just to share and be and just to, uh, you know, talk to you, your wonderful audience about just who I am. I'm just one little person, but uh, I think everyone, uh, thank you for just allowing my little stories to be heard. And, uh, oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you, 
Guys, you will see him. You will see him because he and I will be doing some things together. We'll let you know what's going on. Uh, they keep you posted. But in the meantime, <clears throat> I just want to thank all of the listeners for tuning in to eTalk today. Uh, don't forget that you can subscribe, download, and comment. Please, please, ladies and gentlemen, comment. We want to hear from you and hear what you have to say about what we're doing. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, and also the website, www.anthonyblover.com. So until we e-talk again, remember to respect the artist, respect the art. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for listening to eTalk with Anthony Bogus Glover. I appreciate you listening to me. Please subscribe, download, and comment. Leave a review. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Now, don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and my website at www.anthonybglover.com. And before we leave, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Adams David Media for helping me to get this show on the road. Hope to hear from you. We'll talk soon.